0: The New Testament Gospels, when were they written and are they reliable? You are listening to Creation Talk, a Creation.com podcast, proclaiming the truth to honor the Creator while providing credible answers. Well, hello and welcome to Creation Talk. I'm Keaton Halley. And I'm Lita Kosner. And as mentioned, today we're going to be discussing the New Testament Gospels. Uh, when were they written and are they reliable? Of course, this is an important subject that, that Christians should be equipped to yes. deal with, you know, if the, if the Bible's historical claims can't be trusted, if we can't trust the yes. documents themselves that claim to be the Word of God, uh, then why would we believe any of the theology, you know, how, how we're saved? We're, we're saved based on truth claims of the historical matters.
1: Yes, unlike many other religions, the events that form the basis of our faith don't take place, you know, in a land far, far away, they take place in time in history, and so yeah. that opens it up to historical investigation, and the truth of those historical claims is really important for our faith.
0: Yeah, like, for example, that Jesus rose from the dead, right? Correct. And so, of course, many of the critics' attacks on the Bible will focus on those historical claims or the authenticity of the documents. And so we we want to begin with the, the Gospels uh, in this episode. So can you tell me, Lita... Um, When were the Gospels written? Were they long, long after the events that they purport to describe?
1: Right. Well, of course, that is one of the attacks that skeptics will often bring up. These were written decades after the events. How could they possibly be accurate after all this time? And really, that comes from the modern era because we're used to an instant flow of information where we know what happened in China five minutes ago. (laughs) Sure you can only have that with the internet and other forms of very fast communication. That wasn't the case in the ancient world. If you wanted to send something, you had to write it by hand and send it with an actual person who was walking or riding on a camel or a horse or something. Mm-hmm. So y- you wouldn't get news from Rome in Palestine until, you know, maybe months later. Okay. And when it comes to, The dissemination of information in something like a book, well, each copy of that book has to be handwritten, and then those copies have to be transported by hand. And if it goes to a new hub, it might be copied again at that new hub several times. But again, these are handwritten copies, and so it's a very slow process. When you're talking about things produced decades afterwards, well, that's still within the lifetime of people who were living within the lifetime of eyewitnesses who could corroborate or say, wait, no, that wasn't quite right. Mm. And so having it written within decades is still really good.
0: Yeah, so even if, you know, there's kind of a range of dates that that New Testament scholars give, both, you know, those who profess to believe in Christianity and those who don't, but even, you're saying, even if the critics are right— in uh, giving these fairly late dates, um, that doesn't necessarily mean that the the books themselves are unreliable.
1: Right. Well, I mean, let's look at the worst case scenario. Mm -hmm. So the earliest fragment of any gospel that we have is a small fragment of the gospel of John dated to the early second century. So, Mm -hmm. you know, between 100, 120
0: AD. Yeah. So that's like an existing copy of the the book he originally wrote. We don't have the very first document that John himself produced, but we have this... This copy, and that copy actually dates to about 125 AD, is that right? Yeah,
1: something around there. But we so know it must that, have been
0: written before that time, yes. essentially.
1: <laughs> One scholarly consensus, there are multiple dates, but pretty much the worst case scenario that a lot of scholars agree on is the 90s AD. Well, tradition puts John alive until the mid-90s. And so mm. so John would be writing it near the end of his life like early church tradition suggests he might yeah. have. That's the worst case scenario, and everyone agrees that John was the last gospel to be written. Therefore, all the other gospels are earlier.
0: Right. So, of the four Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, John would be the last. Yes. And so the others must be dated earlier. Uh, so that means they're all within the first century, as you mentioned, within the lifetime of people who would actually observe these things. Yes. You know, Jesus would have been crucified around 30 AD.
1: And the worst case for Mark, which many people think is the earliest, not all, but again, we're looking at worst case scenarios Mm -hmm. here. Some people might push Mark to around 60 AD, um, which I think would be late, but that's still within 30 years of the events happening. So a lot of witnesses would still be alive. There would be a lot of people able to corroborate
0: well, what about that time gap then in between when the events actually occurred and then when the books were written? Is there just plenty of time there for changes to develop in the, in the oral traditions that were handed down? Is this kind of like the game of telephone? That's the criticism that often gets leveled, right? You know, one person whispers to another and the, the message gets corrupted as it gets passed down in this game. Is that what's going on with the New Testament documents?
1: Well, no, because even the 30 years have passed, it's people who have either directly witnessed, like the apostles Matthew and John were direct witnesses of the events they're describing. Mark most people think he's writing down Peter's recollections. Yeah, and of
0: course there's very ancient testimony yes. to that, to that fact.
1: Yes. And then Luke was also in direct contact with the apostles. There's evidence that he used pre-existing sources, including Mark's gospel, that he interviewed a lot of the eyewitnesses. And so you've either got firsthand or secondhand accounts. It's not a game of telephone where a person told a person told a person told a person. Yeah,
0: And certainly it's not, as in the telephone game, it's not whispering either. This is publicly accessible to the whole community, which is, you know, they if one person got the message wrong, then the others would be there to correct it, and so yeah, forth, including were, living eyewitnesses. Yes,
1: there were corrective mechanisms in place. And one thing we know is that the gospel spread very quickly and there was a lot of content to this gospel when the apostles were going someplace and planting a new church. We see from Paul's example that he stayed and he taught for a while. Yeah. he didn't just drop down, do a Billy Graham crusade and move on to the next town because they were laying the foundation for the first churches. And so there would have been a lot of content to that teaching, including who was Jesus? What did he teach? What were the, you know, historical realities of his death and resurrection? Yeah. and, you know, stories like, Walking on the water, multiplying the bread and fish, and you know the other accounts that we see in the Gospels, those would have been part of that teaching,
0: yeah, and I think that brings up another point too that's maybe a difference from the telephone game is that um, the disciples and and the people that were followers of this new movement, the tradition of Jesus, that they also revered this teacher as the Messiah. and so they would have been inclined to be careful with his words and not change them, whereas in the in the telephone game, it's more like it's funnier if you change the message, right? So you yeah. almost have a motivation to make it, you know, distinct and, and funny. Well, why don't we talk about um, who wrote the gospel since we've been um, suggesting that the traditional authorship is correct, that these actually were written by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, do we really know that to be the case?
1: A lot of skeptical Authors like Bart Ehrman wrote a book uh, a few years ago. He made the point that the Gospels are formally anonymous. Is the is the way um, specialists would put it? The text of the Gospels themselves does not claim to have an author. For instance, in Paul's letters, Paul says, "I, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ."
0: Yeah. You don't, you don't have that same sort of introduction um, right. in the opening lines of the Gospels.
1: Right. However, the claims to Gospel authorship are early and unanimous, and all of the copies of the Gospels that we have that include the beginning of the Gospel also include the title. Mm. This even leads some people to suggest that the titles were part of either the original or very, very, very early tradition mm-hmm. back when they could still be sure
0: of it. Yeah. And we have no contrary testimony either. There's no uh, ascription to you know, say that this gospel actually was written by somebody else, not Matthew after all, and anything right. like that. We have no traditions along those lines. The unanimous testimony of antiquity um, is that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were the authors of the books we ascribe to them today.
1: Yeah, correct. And if you were going to make up authors for a truly anonymous book, mm-hmm. these aren't the authors that you would really choose, with the exception of John. Mm. I mean, Matthew was not one of the prominent apostles. John Mark almost has a bit of a black spot on his um, on his character mm, because yeah. he ab- he abandoned. Paul, on on his missionary journey, he redeemed himself later. But, you know, if you were going to forge an author for Mark, Mm -hmm. you know, John Mark would not be the one you would think of. And Luke was not that prominent either. So you would expect to see people like James and Peter... Um,
0: Right, some of Jesus' closest associates, um, the the inner circle. Or Mary,
1: or, you know.
0: And that's exactly what we do find, of course, later in the second century and and beyond, right? We have um, the Gnostic Gospels, for example. Do you want to tell what the Gnostic Gospels are?
1: Well, the Gnostic Gospels are a collection of documents that were written much later than the New Testament books. So the earliest would be around the second century. Um, going into a few centuries later than that, they were written to promote the heresy of Gnosticism, that that Jesus was not really a physical human being, and there was also some secret knowledge associated with that, and so they would be associated with people like... Um, Peter and James, and yeah,
0: so they did this very thing that we're yes. talking about. They they wrote these books that have so little in common with the historical Jesus, right? Um, much more influenced by Greek philosophy, and then they grab these names of like the most prominent uh leaders in, in, in the Jesus movement and attach them to those books to give yes. them authority. But yes. we know that they're they're false, yeah. Well, why don't we focus then on uh, some of the similarities and differences uh, between the different gospel accounts? Because skeptics use these, don't they, to sort of attack uh, the authenticity as well.
1: Right. And it's interesting that they can use both the similarities and the differences. They'll look at one passage and they'll be like, well, this is exactly the same as Mark's, and so obviously they must have copied it, and so obviously we can't trust it. And then they'll look at another account and like oh these have different details so obviously they must be making it up and so obviously it can't be trusted and so you you know it's sort of a heads i win tails you mm, lose yeah. sort of thing
0: <laughs> well what's our response to that then i mean i guess we can say that um on the one hand the, the similarities um that's not a problem the bible as you mentioned earlier luke chapter 1 uh, Luke talks about how he used prior sources, possibly yes. both oral and written, right? He, he mentions that others had written an orderly account prior yes. to his, his own account.
1: Yes, and so if Luke had access to the Gospels of Matthew and Mark, that would make sense. Mm-hmm. And I don't even have problems with there being other written documents for the early Jesus tradition. Mm-hmm. Some people talk about things like Q and other things that might have been floating around
0: yeah a hy- it, that's a hypothetical yeah, you know, other source that may have yes. Luke and, and Matthew may have both used right
1: yes and we don't have a copy mm-hmm. and if it existed it wasn't inspired or preserved mm-hmm. but you know there could have been documents like that in the early church yeah. um, and that would not be a problem for
0: us okay uh, what about the differences between Gospels are, are there contradictions?
1: Well, if you're dealing with real eyewitness testimony, a lot of times there would be differences in recollection, particularly in very, um, when you're in a very heightened emotional state. You, the way you record memory is subject to like focusing in on one detail and omitting others. And so, you know, if you think about the differences in like, Jesus's arrest and trial narratives. Mm-hmm. Well, if these are actual eyewitness testimonies, you can imagine how distraught the disciples must have been. And so their memories would have been recorded in that heightened state of emotion. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times, and that doesn't mean it isn't accurate.
0: Yeah, right. It's, I think it's just like what you find in you know police reports and uh, different eyewitness accounts of like a, a car crash today or a, the scene of a crime. You interview different witnesses, and what the police do initially is they they want to separate them so they can't compare their notes and make their stories agree. If they keep them separated initially and then interview them, they'll find subtle differences between the testimonies. Yes. Not necessarily contradictions, but just differences of vantage point. And I think that's very much what we have in the Gospels, too. Yes.
1: Yes. And a lot of times the so-called contradictions are on the order of, like, was there one blind man or two? Well, if there are two people, there's also one person. Right. Neither
0: account says that there was one and only one. It just simply fails to mention the second.
1: Right. And so the other writer might only be featuring the one who was more prominent.
0: Uh, Well, one actually... Kind of fascinating way that the differences help to authenticate the gospels is, and there have been whole books written on this. The whole concept of undesigned coincidences. So this is the idea that uh, um, in one gospel you, you find some minor detail that's a bit of a puzzle or a mystery until you compare it with the parallel account, parallel account in another gospel, and that fills in the, the missing piece of the puzzle. Yeah. Uh, well, one of these undesigned coincidences, I know you're familiar with, Lita. It has to do with um, the accusers at, at Jesus' trial, the, the false witnesses that said Jesus is going to destroy the temple in three days and, and rebuild yes. it.
1: Well, that's in Mark chapter 14. And Mark never gives us the basis for that false accusation. But John does. Mm. Early on in Jesus' ministry, Jesus said Destroy this temple and I will raise it up in three days. And John tells us he was not talking about the actual temple, but he was talking about his own body. Yeah. Well, the false witness was that Jesus was actually speaking against the physical temple.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good. So, so John kind of corroborates what it says in Mark and helps to almost shed more light on right. the detail that we're given there. Um, another example would be at the feeding of the, the 5,000 where... Um, Jesus in in John's gospel, he speaks with Philip specifically and then also Andrew about where to find food for this enormous crowd. But it's only in Luke 9 that we get this detail that the region they were in was Bethsaida. And then you go back to the gospel of John, it tells us that Philip and Andrew were both from the region of Bethsaida. So that seems to make sense of why Jesus would speak to these disciples in particular. It's because they were familiar with... With the area,
1: Yes. And another interesting point is that the internal evidence of the Gospels makes it clear that the authors of the Gospels were first century Jews living in that area. Yeah. And you might take that for granted, but it's not necessarily the case. Um, for example, if you look at another document, there's a document called the Letter of Aristius that was written in the second century B.C., in Alexandria, the author claims to be a Palestinian Jew. However, we know he wasn't. We know he never even saw Jerusalem because he gives this fantastical description of Jerusalem that bears no resemblance to what the actual temple and the actual Jerusalem we know was like. And so the fact that the New Testament can just sort of effortlessly talk about places that really existed and give accurate descriptions of Jerusalem and the area, um, even things like, oh, they were looking from the garden towards Jerusalem, we know that they could have actually done that. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. The, the New Testament really um, stands out in this regard um, from, you know, archaeological finds where people thought the Gospels made mistakes in the past, and then they discovered, oh, it's right after all in terms of yes. geography and, and the sorts of things you're talking about. Um, there was one study by Richard Baucom, even of the names in the Gospels and Acts, and he showed that the most common names in that time are the same ones that in other sources outside the New Testament were the same most popular names. So uh, you have names like Mary occurring. So many of the people in the Gospels are named Mary, right? Yeah. And that's why they're differentiated by uh, other in other ways, like Mary Magdalene yeah. or Mary, the mother of Jesus. Yes. Same thing with Joseph. You have Joseph of Arimathea and Joseph, Jesus' father, and so forth. Yes. Well, those were some of the most popular names at the time showing that the New Testament writers, the gospel writers were familiar uh, and and eyewitnesses of the things that they testified to.
1: Just to put it in perspective, if the gospels had been written even a century after, they would not have been able to describe the Jerusalem of Jesus' day because the Romans destroyed it. Mm.
0: So (laughs) they they had to
1: be eyewitnesses of Jerusalem before 70. Mm.
0: Excellent. Well, uh, we've covered a lot of ground today, Lita, but uh, really we've only scratched the surface. And so if our viewers want more, there's plenty of information available on the Gospels, the New Testament, and uh, the rest of the Bible, how to defend it. And so we hope you'll visit creation.com and join us again next time. Thank you.